Rich Eisen shows the Bucks some love in his under-the-radar free agent signings. The Buccaneers have three of the top 25 players under 25, and Tampa Bay is still among the favorites to land a future Hall of Famer. Let's go. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome to the Locked On Bucks Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are your daily podcast covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. And we thank you for making us your first listen or view of the day. I am James Yarko, joined by my co-host, Mr. David Harrison. You can check out all of his written work over at BucksGameDay.com. Check out mine over at BucksNation.com. And, of course, follow along on Twitter, at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, and at DHarrison82. We thank you again for making the Locked On Bucks podcast your first listen or your first view every single day. Today's episode brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. James, Rich Eisen. Uh, from an alma mater or whose alma mater is the University of Michigan, a school that you uh, appreciate once a year because that's when they play the Ohio State Buckeyes, dropped his top five under the radar signings in the National Football League this offseason. And he puts Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receiver, former Atlanta Falcons wide receiver, Russell Gage, as his number one choice on his radio show, ranking the top five under the radar for agent signings in the NFL this offseason. He put Jabril Peppers to the New England Patriots at number five, which I'm going to fully admit I did not know Jabril Peppers had signed with the New England Patriots until this list came out. Cedric Wilson and Raheem Mostert to the Miami Dolphins at number four. Roger Saffold to Buffalo at number three. Miles Jack to Pittsburgh at number two. And then, of course, number one was Mr. Russell Gage to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, Eisen said, uh, quote, this guy is good. You know who's going to get him involved. You know who is really going to love him. You know who is going to know how to get him involved. You know how he is still going to be involved once Chris Godwin comes back from a knee injury. Tom Brady is going to figure this thing out. Russell Gage is on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and we're all focused on everything else there from Brady coming back and Arians leaving and Todd Bowles coming and so on and so forth. Russell Gage is a terrific wide receiver, end quote. And David, I agree with the arguably the most famous uh, non-athlete Michigan Wolverine uh, graduate you know, in his assessment of, uh, of Russell Gage. And yep. Gage is a guy who we've seen with Atlanta get better year by year. He, over the course of his career, averages almost 11 yards per reception. 114 of his receptions have gone for a first down. His catch percentage has increased every year in the league. And last year on a terrible Atlanta Falcons team, his catch percentage was over 70% coming in at 70.2. So just barely, but still it was over 70%. And that was an improvement from 66.2% in 2020. So Gage is going to be an awesome addition for the Buccaneers. And he's, not only is he going to help out in, in the absence of Chris Godwin for however long that might be, but once Godwin comes back and adds that new level to what the Buccaneers offense can do, it's going to add a new level to Gage's game because defenses are going to be so focused on Mike Evans. They're going to be so focused on Chris Godwin, 
maybe somewhat focused on possibly Rob Gronkowski. We don't really know. But it's going to open things up for Gage, and he's really going to be able to exploit some of the lower-tier defensive players that are going to be stuck covering him because the top guys are going to be on Evans, Godwin, and Gronk. So it's it's yeah. going to leave Gage the opportunity to feast. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, I mean, Rich Eisen probably, like, one of the few people in this world who, who, who love the University of Michigan that I consider a favorite person of mine. So that puts him in very, very high territory. Um, look, Russell Gage, I'm going to be honest. When Russell Gage was signed by the Buccaneers, it wasn't a signing that I saw coming. I don't know that we ever talked about him in the offseason leading up to that signing. And it wasn't one that like immediately kind of perked my interest and got me, you know, celebrating or saying like, yeah, good move, Jason, you know, way, way to go. Uh, but it was, it was kind of a, sh a, a sneaky sleeper type of, of surprise move. And then you go back and, and kind of think about uh, the games that we've seen this team play against the Atlanta Falcons and, it's kind of easy to see why Russell Gage always kind of got lost in the mix there because Julio obviously is the big uh, superstar and has been in Atlanta for years and years. But then his downward turn, age catching up with him, injuries catching up with him, all those things. And is he going to be done in Atlanta? Is he not? That's a major storyline out of the wide receiver room. And then you have Calvin Ridley. And is he going to finally ascend uh, to the number one position, not just on the depth chart, but in, in talent and performance? And then the struggles that he has had living up to that billing, ultimately leading to his personal uh, stay away from the team. And then obviously his suspension stemming from him gambling uh, really what equates to about $2 to, to you and I, if, if we're gambling percentages of salaries, it's about two bucks probably compared to what you and I make. Um, and, and, and all these things are going on. Kyle Pitts comes in. Uh, there's just, there's just so many storylines in Atlanta that it's kind of hard to be the guy that really is just kind of a consistent presence. Right. But when you watch the Atlanta Falcons over the years, uh, with Russell Gage on the team, who is he? He's a guy that you see him go out there. He does some good things. He makes a play here and there, but he's never the reason that something bad happens, right? He's never like, you never look at the Buccaneers beat the Atlanta Falcons. Like, ah, Russell Gage, you know, MVP of the team. Like we, we see all the tweets, right? Like when, you know, somebody throws an interception, it's, oh, that's, our, that's the that's best player on our team is the guy throwing us all the interceptions. You know, you know, all the jokes, Russell Gage was never that guy. So he's always that consistent presence. Now with the Buccaneers, kind of what you're talking about, that steady production, steady ability to bring in the ball. And again, you put him in there with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, uh, all these other guys. Also add in the running backs. T Tom Brady, one of the biggest things he loves to do is throw to the running backs. Leonard Fournette uh, has been a pretty steady you know, receiver in, in the passing game here. Last year, obviously, more than the year before, but has been pretty steady since he joined the team. Obviously, the Buccaneers are looking for a number two that can contribute on the ground and in the passing game. Drafting Rashad White for some of those uh, athletic trade abilities. Even if Keyshawn Vaughn beats Rashad White for that number two job, it's going to be because Keyshawn shows the Bucks that he can contribute in more ways than just carrying the ball and also protect Tom Brady. Geo, we already know that's right in his wheelhouse. So when defenses, and that's that's something that I think every team has to do when you have a non-athletic quarterback like Tom Brady, when you force the defense to to defend all four levels of the field, and that, and that's what I, that's my own personal, I don't know if it makes any sense to anybody else, but you have the short, intermediate, deep parts of the field in the passing game, but you also have the guys in, in the backfield, not just coming out of the backfield, in the backfield. When you have to cover four layers of the passing game as a defense, that makes things a lot harder. So when you put a player like Russell Gage, who has been consistently productive, despite the fact that he's really been in a very tumultuous offense in Atlanta, whether it be coaching situations, coaching swaps, players in and outs, uh, you know, the quarterback situation, everything else. I think it really does. It fosters an environment for him to be really great. And as much as we wanted to see or we kind of rallied for a wide receiver to be selected, 
uh, in this year's class. I am looking forward to seeing what Russell Gage can do uh, when he's given the chance. Obviously, preseason will be our first chance to really see him in this offense uh, at full board. But, um, James, honestly, the, the the wide receiver group may not be done. It may not be finished in Tampa. We may be getting another player joining this squad. We're going to talk about that on this very episode. But before we get to that, we're going to get to the young guys, top 25 players under 25. The Buccaneers had some names on that list, so we're going to break that down. And we're going to break down, are they overrated, too low? Should they have been moved up? We'll talk about them, and it's going to be a good friend of ours, a good friend of Bucks Nation as well that we're going to be talking about coming up here. And we're going to do that thanks to our partners at Bet Online, who continue to impress and continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find all your latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting, wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action at BetOnline, where the game starts. Thanks for making Locked On Bucks podcast your first listen or view every single day. Make sure you're also checking out Locked On Sports today, your daily podcast covering the biggest sports stories hosted by Peter Bukowski, free and available wherever you're listening or watching to this show right now. James, Trevor. Do you you think that Peter Bukowski on Locked On Sports today is going to talk about the fact that the Tampa Bay Lightning have a 3-0 series lead against the president's holders? You better. That's, I mean, if that's not a top sports story, I don't know what is. And they're doing it without Braden Point. I mean, I yeah. Just, and that's hockey yeah. talk. Anyway, please. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a young fellow who works pro football focus, um, Trevor Sikema. Sikema? It might be Sikema. I'm not Never sure. Heard Never heard of him. Uh, <laughs> Trevor Sikema, of course, of formerly of Pewter Report. Uh, dot com and honestly if you're if you're a a post Brady signing Buccaneers fan you actually may not who Trevor is uh, Trevor great guy friend of the show love to see him whenever we get to top 25 under 25 uh, for PFF recently James he wrote it up he ranked them the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had three players on the list yeah not only was he with Peter Report but also he used to be a member of the Locked On family he and uh, Ben sure. Solak used to host Locked On NFL drafts so but yeah uh, over a Pro Football Focus. Uh, Trevor writes up the, the top 25 under 25, three Tampa Bay Buccaneers show up on this list. Uh, Tristan Wirfs comes in at number four overall. Antoine Winfield Jr. comes in at number 18 overall. And Devin White, number 23 overall. Now, uh, I believe it's worth noting that Antoine Winfield Jr., only safety on this list. So, Take with that information what you will. But the top three players uh, that came in ahead of Tristan Wirfs, number one, Nick Bosa. Number two is quarterback Justin Herbert. And number three is emerging super-duper star running back Jonathan Taylor. Not just superstar, super-duper star. Um, So Wirfs, at number four, he's behind Bosa. He's behind Herbert. He's behind Jonathan Taylor. David, what are your thoughts? Do you agree with where worse is? Do you disagree? Should he have been higher? Should he have been lower? Uh, what are your, what are your thoughts there on uh, on Tristan Worse? Yeah, uh, I think Tristan Worse absolutely should have been higher. I think Tristan Worse should be a top three guy on this list. Um, honestly, just first and foremost, he's got a trip to the first team All Pro list. Only two of the guys uh, ahead of him also do. I believe Nick Bosa has one, and Jonathan Taylor from this last season. Now Justin Herbert does not have a first team All Pro. Now, 
you know, again, it, it's a very it's a very hard club to be in. I think Justin Herbert's getting a little bit of a nod because he's a quarterback. And I get that. Like, generally speaking, the quarterback obviously gets a little bit elevated here. But for me, and, you know, and again, the thing about rankings is they're so subjective because we all put our own kind of lens through them. Because really, how do you how do you really rank the quality of a defensive end, a quarterback, a running back, a right tackle, wide receivers, DBs against each other? Because they all do so such different things on the field. It's really kind of hard to say which one is better than the other. But for me... I kind of look at the I kind of look at the accolades. I kind of look at where do you stand am- amongst your peers. Now, what is also possibly hurting Tristan Wurst, to be quite honest with you, is the fact that he's a right tackle, not a left tackle, because the premier spot on the offensive line is what the left tackle. But you can't deny the impact that Tristan Wurst has made for his team from day one. Similar to Nick Bosa when he's on the field, huge impact. Justin Herbert, huge impact. Jonathan Taylor, huge impact. The difference is here. One of those guys really has no postseason experience or success at all, and it's Justin Herbert, and you played the top top position on your team. So to me, that actually almost knocks you down a little bit, whereas I think Trevor's kind of knocking him up a little bit because of the importance of the position. Yeah, I I don't know. I think Justin Herbert is going to be in that in that group of the next great quarterbacks. And let's be honest, Justin Herbert is not the number one quarterback on this list. If this was the 25 and under list rather than the under 25 list because Joe Burrow misses this cutoff by about four months. And I, I think we can all agree that that her, uh, Burrow would be probably, he might even be number one over Nick Bosa. But I agree with you. I think Worth should be in the top three. He maybe should even be top two. I can't. No. Jonathan Taylor had a phenomenal season. Don't get me wrong. And I think Justin Herbert is going to be an absolute blast to watch for the next 10 years but Bosa might be the only player on this list more dominant than Tristan Wirfs and if you're judging these players based on their performance at their position you can't knock Wirfs for being a right tackle versus a left tackle because when it comes to the right tackles he's one of the best in the National Football League to do it and he's only been doing it for two years. Yeah, no, I think that's I think it's a very valid point. I mean, like again, I, and I think we both agree. Worfs at least should be number three. Uh, I looked it up real quick. Nick Bosa actually does not have a first team All Pro burst. So Jonathan Taylor, Tristan Worfs, the only two guys in the top four that have that. So maybe they should be number one and number two. There again, you're 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 comparing literal apples and oranges. I mean, they're in the same yeah. orchard, they're in the same field, right? But you're comparing uh, two totally different types of fruit here. So that's you know that's just with it's it's nitpicky stuff. But then. You go next, you go to Antoine Winfield Jr. Like you mentioned, the, the, top, the top safety on this list. Well, the only safety on this list, which I think is beautiful. But he comes in number 18. So the question really is, should he be higher, number 17, 16? Should he be in the top 15 of this group? James, we look at that. Number 17, C.D. Lamb, uh, wide receiver out of Dallas. Number 16, Creed Humphrey, the center from the Kansas City Chiefs. Number 15, the pass rusher, Brian Burns from the Carolina Panthers. I can't really make a, an argument one way or another outside of Brian Burns. I think Brian Burns should be the top of this foursome. If it's Winfield, CD, Creed, and Brian, I think Brian Burns should be the top four out of those four guys. So I think, I guess, Antoine, for me, at best, is number 16 if you're looking at this group uh, because I don't think he goes ahead of Brian Burns quite yet. But Creed Humphrey, CD Lamb, it's kind of a push for me. Be- and, and this is where I kind of kind of go back on what I just said the position importance of it, like Creed Humphrey, you're a center for the Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, and all that. C.D. Lamb, you're a wide receiver for the, for the most explosive 
uh, not most explosive, the Buccaneers most explosive, but the most yards per game gained in 2021 for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, so it's it's really kind of hard to say that like the primary receiver uh, from that team and the the center for Patrick Mahomes and one of the most electric offenses in the NFL is less important than a safety on one of the best defenses. I, again, I, I love that Antoine's on the list at all, but I think it's hard to make a case for him to be top 15, but top 16 from top 18, I think you can make that that case. Yeah, Winfield Jr. is one of the top graded safeties at PFF overall, not not even just, you know, under 25 or in their rookie contract or anything. He's one of their top graded safeties. And I think could be wrong. I think if he doesn't let Cooper Cup get that pass in the playoffs, he is in the top 15. Um, Don't play trail when there's cover zero, man. Like, yeah. Not trying to hash up old stuff, but, you know, don't play trail ones, cover zero. But, you know, young guys are going to make their mistakes, right? You <laughs> hope are. he learns yeah. from it. You hope he improves upon it. And, you know, like I talked about on my solo uh, last week where Vita Vea is being looked at and, and taking over a role as a leader. And so you have Vita Vea up in the front being a leader. You have Devin White in the middle as a long-term leader. Now you have Antoine Winfield Jr. on the back end as a long-term leader. And leaders need to, you know, lead by example, of course, but they also need to show everybody that, look, I can get better. I can improve. I screwed up and it's not going to happen again. And you all can trust me that it's not going to happen again. Um, I think he's placed pretty much where he should be. Uh, Like you said, you can you can split hairs and and put him above Creed Humphrey or put him above C.D. Lamb. Uh, But I I think 18 is a pretty good spot for him. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and to kind of piggyback off what you said, like go back to our pre Brady locked on bucks episodes, pre playoff appearances, pre pre postseason success. What do we always say? You got to have a stud at every group. You got to have a stud on the line, both lines, linebacker, DBs, quarterback, you know, you got to have a stud. The Buccaneers for a very long time did not have studs at many of, the, of these position groups, uh, given, you know, despite the, the studs that they did have. And now, like you just mentioned, they have studs on all three levels, Vita Vea, Devin White's. Uh, and then you, you look at Antoine Winfield Jr., potential Carlton Davis, like they have the potential to have studs at all levels of their defense for a very long time, which bodes well for them. Speaking of Devin White, number 23, the final Buccaneer on this list, number 23 overall. And again, looking ahead of him, number 22, you got Quentin Williams, number 21, you got Trevor Lawrence, number 20, you got Patrick Sertain. Uh, it, it's going to be hard, honestly, to justify outside of maybe emotional leadership like Trevor Lawrence. Listen. I'm not putting uh, too much stock in anything Trevor Lawrence is doing good or otherwise, to be quite honest with you, just because the situation he's in is is absolutely terrible. But Patrick Chetain, very impressive rookie season. Quentin Williams down there in the trenches. Devin White, I mean, from electricity and emotional charge, James, I think Devin White is obviously higher on this list. But Buccaneers fans, Bucks media, like there have been plenty of holes pointed out in Devin White's game. Uh, the coaches have not been totally shy about talking about that. He himself has said publicly and on Twitter, really, like social media, like, it's almost like every day he's just like, I remember what you said. It's motivating me, and that's great, but you got to see him turn that motivation into production. Yeah, uh, Devin White can move up to number 22. Trevor Lawrence can get tossed off this list completely because he's <laughs> not. But good. you're going you're gonna to hold – I mean, that's a total projection pick. Like that, This is Trevor, Trevor Sikama saying Trevor Lawrence is better than what the Jaguars make him appear to be. That's, that's all, the only explanation for this. Check down Charlie is not going to make it <laughs> down in Jacksonville. It's not his fault, though. Oh, I feel so bad for Trevor Lawrence. 
now he's he's checked down Charlie. He's a game manager at best. He's not going to. You can put him on the Buccaneers roster right now, and he might get you know to nine and eight. Okay, so you yeah, so you you harbor some definite responsibility for Trevor I, Lawrence. I put it on the Jags to be quite honest with you. But I hey, don't think trade Michael good. Thomas to Jacksonville. They'll they'll love each other all day. Okay, yeah, that's five yard slants all day. There you go. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, both of them just not good. We are going to talk about somebody that might help the Buccaneers uh, at least in the early stages of the season as they prepare for Chris Godwin to come back from that ACL tear. But first, this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need why do you need to endure often pointless or intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rock Auto will help you save time and money. Why choose to spend 30, 50, 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? Not only that, but Rock Auto is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Their prices are reliably low for every customer, and they have everything that you could possibly need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, new carpet, you name it, they got it. Go explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Wrapping things up here on a Monday edition of the Locked On Box podcast. And the name Julio Jones is still floating around, floating out there in free agency. And the Buccaneers are still being talked about as one of his likely landing spots along with the Indianapolis Colts and the Green Bay Packers. So, David, what do you think about Julio potentially landing in Tampa? Or better yet, does it make sense to bring him in when you take a look at the last couple of years where he hasn't been as productive, he has not been able to remain as healthy, and he's really sort of kind of fallen off uh, whether that's due to just the talent fading away or just not being able to overcome these injuries or or being in, in bad situations. So it makes sense if Tyler Johnson specifically didn't learn from last season. So for those who don't remember, Tyler Johnson came in last season, right? Bruce Arians didn't necessarily give the full gritty details. Basically, Tyler didn't come in in the best shape, ready for training camp and for everything that was about to happen. Um, now he's still, you know, as far as his sophomore season, so had a better sophomore season than he did uh, his freshman season, rookie year in the NFL, uh, and all those things. So still technically, you know, built on what he did his rookie year. And I know that a lot of people were very excited to see him. I was one of those people, still very excited to see him because I'm hoping that he matured through that experience and is going to be coming into this year much better prepared. If if you feel like Tyler Johnson can kind of take another step, you have Russell Gage. If you're as confident Russell Gage is. Uh, obviously, Rich Eisen is Mike Evans. Obviously, is Mike Evans. Gronk coming back is is a big piece of this too. If Gronk comes back, I think you feel a lot more comfortable going in with those guys. And then, of course, Scotty Miller. I mean, who knows? I, I love Scotty Miller. I, I, I get excited every time he's on the field. But sometimes it feels like the Buccaneers' offense uh, almost just doesn't have a place for him. 
um, then no, I, I don't, then I don't think necessarily it makes sense. But if we're not hundred percent sure that Tyler is going to be an early contributor until Chris gets healthy, uh, you know, if, if we're kind of wait and see with Russ, if Gronk doesn't come back, then yeah, I mean, it kind of makes sense. And you kind of hit on it already because early on you could use that veteran presence uh, to kind of make an impact. And last time we saw him running with the Tennessee Titans, not great, right? Obviously uh, not, not exactly the off season you want to take in or the season you want to take into a contract year, you know, one year contract, whatever. Uh, but still was on pace to have like 50 catches, 50, 60 catches still on pace to have like 700 yards, uh, you know, for the Tennessee Titans, had he played all 17 games. The problem James is he didn't play all 17 games and the 10 games he did play, he played less than 60% of the offensive snaps. So, but kind of like we just talked about Trevor Lawrence, how much of that is Julio really like fully and how much of that is partially on the Titans? Yeah, I just, I can't see Julio Jones going in somewhere and all of a sudden like having this revitalization of his career, right? I mean, prime Julio was one of the most incredible athletes, incredible receivers uh, we're ever going to see. But he fell off that sh- that cliff real quick, and and you take a look at the at the injury problems, the inconsistency over the last two years. Yeah, some of it may have been you know on the Titans, but you know when you're out there as a third wide receiver with the Titans, which is exactly what he would be in Tampa at best, and you're still unable to make any sort of impact. It's not good. And, you know, yeah, I could sit here and say it makes more sense to sign Odell Beckham Jr., but Odell Beckham Jr. is not going to help you while Chris Godwin is recovering because right. Odell Beckham Jr. is also recovering. So uh, take a look at, at other free agents. If they want to bring in somebody else, if they need someone to step in, they don't feel that Tyler Johnson's going to do the job. They don't feel like Scotty Miller can be that number three guy. You know, you take a look. Will Fuller, could he be you know, a little bit better off for the first month, month and a half. You take a look, Emmanuel Sanders, Alan Hearns, even Danny Amendola tore it up for the Houston Texans last year. You know, these are the kinds of guys that are available and they'll probably give you more than what Julio can. Just because Julio's not Julio anymore and it, it stinks, it does. Because even, you know, you put the rivalry aside, he was incredible to watch. He was yep. so fantastic and, and made so many just incredible plays throughout his career to see him just drop off the way he has sucks. Yep. But I don't see him, you know, coming into Tampa and, and being somebody that's going to be worth the money that's spent on him. And it won't be much. He could come in for the vet minimum, but it's still, you could get better from somebody else for the same price. Yeah, the, I mean, the only thing with there, like, especially like Emmanuel Sanders and all those, like, I just wonder how much of a backseat they're willing to take once Chris Godwin does come in. I, I but every every point you make uh, is very valid. I so I just I just kind of wonder, like, if you if you look and, and you know, I have not gone back and watched like every snap that Julio took with the Tennessee Titans. But if you're a Bucks uh, pro scout or you're a coach and you're looking for for possible connections there, you got to make that decision. Like, is this truly Julio? Because I mean, again, you look at, at the stats. I mean, basically. Uh, was on pace to basically have the same production he had the year before in Atlanta, which was not thousand yard, hundred reception type of production anymore. Granted, but if you can get fifty catch, sixty catch, seven hundred yard uh, value, uh, you know, for the first four weeks of the season out of him while Chris gets up to speed, 
I mean, that, that could be worth the investment. You know what I mean? I don't know. Um, and then, but you, but again, like you just mentioned, you have to be able to say this absolutely was not Julio continuing to fall off the cliff. This had more to do with the Tennessee Titans and Ryan Tannehill and that offense. And I mean, honestly with AJ Brown, like I, I kind of feel like maybe, maybe the, maybe the issue in Tennessee was less talent and more quarterback slash offensive scheme. But you know, that's again, that's a decision. Those are just kind of our thoughts. That's the decision the Buccaneers coach staff is going to have to make. But I do like uh, Emmanuel Sanders is the name that sticks out the most from you, uh, from your list, especially in the early going. OD, OODB, OBJ obviously makes the most sense uh, going into the later part of the season. But again, you're looking for help early in this type of scenario, not late. All right. With that, we are out of here. Thanks again for making the Locked On Bucks podcast your first listener view of the day. Now make Locked On NFL your second listener view. The schedule may be dark, but the NFL never stops. And neither does Locked On NFL. Get insights and opinions from hosts including Ross Jackson, Chris Carter, and Tony Wiggins, plus local Locked On NFL hosts repping all 32 squads. There is no offseason for the real fans, so make sure you're subscribed to Locked On NFL on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. We will be back tomorrow. If you have questions or topics or concerns or anything else, go ahead and send them in via email to LockedOnBucksPodcast at gmail.com or give us a call at 813-444-5841. Check out everything David is doing over at BucksGameDay.com. Check out everything I'm doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you are following along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks, at eHarrison82. Hope you all have an absolutely outstanding day. Stay safe, stay healthy, wash your hands, be good to one another, fire those cannons. Thank you so much for joining us right here at Locked on Bucks.